Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Resilience Diaries. My lovely guest today is Jade Gordon. Hi, Jade. Hi, how are you? Living and loving, sister. How's it going your side? Good. I'm happy to be here with you. You just climbed out of a hyperbaric chamber. I did. Yeah, mm. all the oxygen. I'm feeling good, feeling refreshed. Well, I'm excited to dive into what the heck that is and, and why you were there. So um, real quick, let's share it with everyone how we know each other. Do you want to tell them the story? Yeah. So March of, it was last year, right? Yes. Yeah. Last year we were both in Jacksonville. My dad had his uh, power positive leadership training that we do in um, Florida and you were there and we got to meet and it was so funny. You were like, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm like, of course. I mean, you were, you know, sharing and it was just so amazing. And being in that environment, right, with all those people who want to get better, they're learning, they're growing and just seeing the amazing ideas and amazing things that people have to say. So, of course, I remember you because everything you said was amazing. So I'm happy to be here and reconnected with you. Oh, I love you. You suck up. <laughs> well, very, very grateful that you are here with me today, Jade. Um, Something real quick about your dad, for those that don't know. Um, John Gordon is, how would you describe your dad? He's a speaker, author. Both of those, He's yeah. huge on, on positive leadership effort, right? Yes. Yeah. Positive yeah. leadership culture. He's, he's amazing. Um, leadership, I think, is the number one skill set everyone in life should have, because, should have. Because whether you have a team or not, who do you lead every single day? Yourself. Yourself. Absolutely. He actually wrote one of my favorite books, which you, I see you have it there behind you called The Energy Bus. Um, I also am in alignment with that because I truly believe that energy is everything, right? Yeah. And you are in charge of the energy that you bring in um, wherever you go and the energy that you're giving off to everyone around you. So I just uh, shout out to your dad. He doesn't <laughs> know me from a bar of soap either, but just love that he's doing that work and, and spreading that message. And uh, so excited that you are here and that you are kind of following in his footsteps and now sharing your own message. Um, so a little bit about Jade. She used to work in Nobu. She's going to tell us a story here in a bit. And never in her life did she think she would be a become a keynote speaker. And you oh. and I were, were just chatting a bit ago about how most people... Um, fear public speaking more than they fear death yeah so that's why I was like I would never I always had kind of stage fright and so I was like I would never do that and I always you know when it's your own parent I was always like oh you're so annoying like I'm sick of this positivity you know but being in an environment like working at Nobu where you really have to learn servant leadership and you can be in such a toxic environment, but you have the power inside of you to change your environment. And so really getting to see my dad's messaging firsthand and see how important it was that I was like, okay, wow, I have the ability to impact so many people. I know this stuff, like the back of my hand, I can go out and share this with more people because we need it, right? And leadership now is so different from leadership even 10 years ago where people were leading in a way that doesn't work now. So we need more positivity to lead people because there's been more burnout, more people not wanting to work, quitting their jobs, trying to find new jobs at the first inconvenience, right? So teaching them these skills is so important. And so I was like, you know what? I have to get over that fear. I have to just go for it. I love that. Tell me... <clears throat> Usually I find that something happens, like some pivotal thing happens to kind of push someone outside of their comfort zone. 
and propel them into that next version of themselves. So if you don't mind, my friend, would you like to, to roll back the tape and tell us how, you know, where were you? What happened uh, that did just that, that made you come to this realization that I know I can do this. I know I meant for more and you did it even though you were scared. Yeah, I was working at Nobu and there was these two women there and they were sitting on a couch and I had walked by them and they said, you know, one of the women said, tell her. And the other one said, no. And she said, tell her. And so I walk over and I say, hi, ladies, how can I help you? And the one woman looked at me and she says, you know, I came here all the way from North Carolina just to come to this restaurant. Because if you don't know, Nobu is one of the most famous restaurants in the world. And it's like one of the most photographed restaurants as well. So people come from all over. And she said, the Lord has blessed me. So I was prepared to tip my server a lot of money. But unfortunately, we had really bad service. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I can get a manager. You can let them know because I was just a hostess. And so she said, no, it's okay. I just wanted to let somebody know. And I said, immediately, I was like, oh, well, you said you came all the way from North Carolina. I graduated from Clemson in South Carolina. And she looked at me and she said, oh my gosh, what are you doing all the way out here? And I said, well... I graduated college with a degree in communications and had no idea what I wanted to do. I was really lost and I figured LA was the best place to figure it out. And so she looks at me and she says, are you a Christian? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, can I pray for you? And so she put her hand on my shoulder and she started to pray for me. And she said, God, I can tell that this girl is fearful, that she is allowing this fear to hold her back. I see her traveling all over the country, speaking and impacting people. Just allow her to step into her calling with faith. Allow her to step into what you have called her to do to impact others. And I had never met this woman before in my life, right? She didn't know what my dad did. She didn't know who he was. She didn't know that that was like something that maybe I was entertaining at that point because I was so miserable at my job. And so I started crying. She started crying. She hugged me and she said, I believe that God had me come all the way out here, have crappy service just to tell you that. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I should speak. I think I should, you know, follow in my dad's footsteps. And you think that immediately I was like, all right, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to go for it. But I had called my dad and I said, dad, I think I want to speak. And he was like, okay. And it was like this feeling of, I still allowed that fear to hold me back. Even though I knew at that time, it's something that I wanted to do. I still was like, no, I don't really know if I can do it. I'm, you know, how do I even get started? Especially because my dad's the kind of person where he, he, he was basically like, okay, figure it out, sink or swim. He, he was like, I'm not going to make this easy for you. If this is something you truly want to do, then you can go for it and you can make it happen. Cause he also wanted to make sure that it wasn't where he was like making me or like he wanted this to be on my own to figure out if I really wanted to do it. So he said, try it out, see if you like it. If not, you don't have to do it. This is, you came to me and said that you want to do it. Remember that I didn't say you have to do this. And I was like, okay, yeah. And so I really had to practice and it was like, up until even after my first talk that I gave, I was still so fearful because not only is, you know, speaking in front of people, right, really scary, but it was a lot of the 
comparison and a lot of imposter syndrome where I said, well, my dad's been doing this for so long. He has so many books. People are going to compare me to him. What if I'm not as good? And so I really allowed that to affect me. And I would see, you know, my dad had posted a video of me speaking to the Clemson baseball team and somebody commented and they said, okay, yeah, that's great. But what are her credentials other than being your daughter? And I remember seeing that and I was like, oh my gosh, they're right. Like I, they're going to think that I'm I just am doing this because I'm his daughter. But then I really had to realize like, no, I know this stuff so well. I've read his books. I literally could tell people this, like I could just list off things that they need to do to help themselves. And so I really had to kind of have a perspective shift of like, I'm allowing this fear to sabotage my ability to impact people who need this message. And who am I to, you know, do that, right? Like if God has called me to do this, I have to step into it with that faith that if it's what I'm meant to do, it will work out. And so I also was in a, a really toxic relationship. My ex-boyfriend was uh, bipolar, undiagnosed bipolar and possibly schizophrenic. And so he was having these episodes where um, I've never really publicly talked about it, but he was, there was a lot of emotional abuse and I didn't realize it at the time until after we broke up that it was like severe emotional abuse um I just was in my head of like okay I have to be there to help him you know those kinds of things right and so ultimately after we broke up I was reflecting and realized that I really allowed that to sabotage my time and my effort because when we were together even my dad was like, maybe you guys will start speaking together. Maybe you guys will work for me and do that. And we were like, okay, yeah, maybe. But it wasn't the right relationship. And when we broke up, I felt so lost and said, where do I go from here? I spent most of my time focused on him. What, what, have, what am I called to do? I'm working at a restaurant and I'm miserable. And so when that woman came to Nobu and said that, I was like, okay, this is a sign. And if I wouldn't have broken up with my ex-boyfriend, I would not be doing what I am today, right? And I think it was like a month after I'd quit my job, that's when I had started speaking. And so if I was still in that relationship, I would still be living in LA. Now I live in Austin, Texas, because I feel like the Lord had called me here, but I would still be living in LA. I'd probably still be in that just awful, awful relationship. And it's like just crazy to look back and see all those things that you think are going to break you that you can't ever get out of that. It's like, how, how will I, where will I go from here? How can life get any better? I feel like I'm, you know, it, it always works out. It always, you always look back and you say, wow, I thought that was a lot worse than it really was. Right. And now I can't imagine doing anything else or being anywhere else. And it's just like really cool to look back and see that everything happens for a reason. Everybody, everything works out in the end, right? So I just think that's just not allowing that fear to hold you back and realizing that when you feel called to do something, just to step into it with faith. Mm, I love that. I uh, I have this saying that, you know, when you've allowed fear to hold you back so much, you have to really sit down and, and ask yourself why. Um, something I got from your dad, and I suppose you as well, is what do fear and faith have in common? You want to Besides answer that? the fact that they both start with the letter F, they both believe in a future that hasn't happened yet. So if it hasn't happened, why would you not choose to believe in a 
in a future that things are going to work out for you instead of believing all the lies that things aren't going to happen. It's not going to work out that it's going to be awful. Just choosing to have that faith, I think is so important. Absolutely. And another thing I've come to realize on my journey is you look around, you know, every successful person, I think we innately think that this person just doesn't have fear. And I've come to realize that that's not the case. It's not that they don't have fear. They're, they're human, just like us, right? They just have a different relationship with their fear, right? They feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. So and my I, question, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you're okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, for you, did you ever feel like the calling to speak? Did you have the voice that said you should do this? What was your why of wanting to do this and, and being able to step in and through your fear of speaking? I think that ultimately it was like growing up, like I had said, like, I was like, you're so annoying, dad. Like, I don't want to listen to any of this, but realizing that people need this message. And I remember that I was with my dad at a football game. We were in Minnesota at a football game. And this guy walked up to my dad and said, are you John Gordon? Are you John Gordon? And my dad was like, yeah. And he was like, you changed my daughter's life. And my daughter is in recovery for an eating disorder. And she read your book, The Garden. And she's now like recovering. And I just want to thank you so much. And he was crying. And he FaceTimed his daughter and was like, look, it's John Gordon. And in that moment, it was like, it's not that my dad just writes and speaks like he, there's so many times where people message him and say, you've impacted my life and you've, you know, changed my mindset and all these different things. You helped save my marriage, all these different things. And I realized like my dad's one person, right? And he can, he, his whole thing is like, if I can impact one person at a time, that's like so worth it, but he's one person. And so I said, you know what? I believe that this stuff, especially with COVID, people need it now more than ever. And so if I can just do that and go and speak on this stuff, I can help to make that impact. It was really not something where I was like, okay, well, this is what I feel like I need to do to like be, you know, whatever. It was like, I feel a calling to do this to impact other people. And that's why, again, like I said, I was like, I can't allow this fear to hold me back because it's ultimately not about me. Like when I get on stage, I'm like, okay, this is not about how good I can speak, how good, whatever. I always say, God, just allow me to impact at least one person. If that, if I impact one person, then it makes all the travel, all the everything worth it because that's, that's the most important thing is if somebody can grasp this. And I always say like, it's not about, again, how well I say it, it's allow me to convey this message so that people understand and they can resonate with it and take it and apply it to their own life. And once I had that mindset of like, it's not about me, like, even if I mess up, like maybe there's one person that takes something from it. And there's been times where I've spoken at events and I'm like, oh, that was not good. I could have done better. And I've had people come up to me and said, literally you don't understand that spoke to me i feel like i wanted to quit my job and pursue something else and i was just afraid because i need financial stability for my family but 
I'm not going to allow that fear to hold me back. I don't want to look back and say, I should have gone for it. And so she said, I'm, I'm about to start enrolling in nursing school now. So thank you. And so it's like, even when I think I'm not doing good, it's not, I can't real I can't think the fact that it's about me. It's about all the people that need this. And I think initially my idea of getting into this was I really wanted to impact the next generation. So my thing was, okay, my dad speaks to a lot of sports teams and companies and athletics, but what about me being 24, going to schools and speaking to students who maybe struggled like I did with confidence and identity and all these different things. So that's kind of how it got started, where, where it was like, if there's somebody my age that was closer to them that they could relate to instead of my dad, who's 52, you know, they're going to be like, who's this guy, right? And so I'm like, if I can do that, then I'm going to do it. And honestly, that's what most of my speaking engagements have been. I've done companies, I've done all these different things, but most of them is me going in and doing workshops or talking to the younger generation. And that's also my book that I, we have an outline for a book that I'm going to write. And it's basically about confidence because I had to have that confidence or be courageous to step into this because there is that fear, because we're always going to have things that, you know, we're going to feel like, oh my gosh, I can't do that or whatever. But I think it's just about taking the first step and just having the courage to do it, even if you fail, because you never know what could happen. So that's kind of what my book is going to be about. I love that. And absolutely. If I could just, you know, take a moment and, and share about my story. I definitely am not a keynote speaker by any means. Um, but you know, my, my career has been in sales and growth and distribution. And so part of that was having to get up in front of a room full of people. Now, early on in, in that career, I, it wasn't that I didn't want to get up and, and talk to people. It was getting up there and turning around and seeing all the eyeballs look at me and I would just froze. I mean, I literally had an out of body experience. I would talk and when I would get done, I wouldn't have any idea what I just said. You know, I, I would pit out. I could feel my heart beating out of my chest. I hated it, Jade. I hated it. And I was nervous, you know, because of what you said. You know, what are people going to think of me? What am I going to say? What if, what if I say something wrong? We make it about us. And anyways, I just, I just knew that I wanted to get better, you know. And, and this, there's something to be said for repetition is the mother of all learning, right? Do something enough, you're going to get better at it. You're going to learn each time you try something. Um, I ended up working with an executive speech coach who helped me a lot. And then again, just the repetition through my career, building my confidence in speaking. Um, I don't think I'll ever not be nervous to get up and speak in front of people. I've just now, A, developed a different relationship with my fear, and B, realize to what you said, it's actually not about me. As much as we love to think things are about us, they often aren't. They're about everybody else around us in our, our sphere of influence. Um, and so I'm very, very grateful for that career experience because it has got me to where I am now, where again, I'm not a keynote speaker. I hope to get there one day so that much like you, I can impact um, people at a higher level and serve at a higher level. Um, but I just love that message. You know, if there's anyone out there that wishes they were a better speaker, one, one core thing for me in my speaking is I really want to learn how to connect with my audience. I don't want to just get up there and be a chatty Cathy. You know, I want to get up there and be really intentional with the messaging and really connect. Um, and so that's why I also love 
the messaging and the leadership skill sets that you and your, your dad teach and even your mom I'm I've, I've actually never met your mom but I've, I see her on social media you guys are a powerhouse family my friend thank you tell, yeah, tell so me about your mom because she kind of she's a keynote speaker as well yeah so she's getting into it hers is more off of the book that her and my or yeah her and my dad wrote relationship grid about relationships um and it's funny because she also has that fear too, right? And she also has the same mindset of like, oh my gosh, I don't want to mess up. And I'm like, it's so funny that even though I'm her daughter, I'm younger than her. I have been doing it a little bit longer than her to say, mom, that's normal. That's okay. Like just focus on really getting the material down so that when you get up on stage, you can make it personal. You can have attitude. You can, you know, convey it in a way that you want to. But like you said, I don't think I'm ever not going to be nervous. And so that's what I say to my mom. I'm like, every time we get up on stage, it's nerve wracking. My dad has been doing this for 15 minutes. He still gets nervous. Right. So my mom, um, it's just cool to kind of like coach her a little bit. Like she's, she's coached me my whole life. So it's cool that I'm getting to be like, hey, this, or she'll call me and say, what do you think about this? Or can I try this out on you? So it's also given us a way to like bond more as a family, even though my brother thinks we're all crazy. And he would, he's like, I would never do that. He is more, me and my mom are more outgoing. He's just not, he kind of keeps to himself. Um, but my mom, like my dad, I love him more than life itself. And I love my mother more than anything, but she is just such a strong woman. She, I don't think I would be the person I am today without her. And she like, is just the family's rock. Like my dad would not be doing what he's doing if it weren't for her, if it weren't for her saying, I'm not going to stay with somebody that makes me so miserable. You need to change. And him having that, like, oh my gosh, you're right. I do need to change so that I can keep my family. And just seeing him go from a negative person to a positive person, like that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for my mom being this strong foundation. And the years that my dad was outgoing and trying to speak and create a name for himself. I mean, she was calling people saying, hey, do like my husband will come speak. And they were like, who, you know, but she was really trying to make it happen and she was supporting him. And so it's just really cool to see where he is now. Like people think, oh, well, yeah, you did it yourself. You were doing this. And he was like, no, no, no. She was my rock. She was our foundation. And I think just like, she's such a cool person because she's, yes, she's my mom, but growing up, she was also like, I would consider her more of a friend. So like, I knew that like there was discipline, there was boundaries, but if I was ever struggling with anything, I knew immediately I could go to, to her and talk about it. And there was no judgment. There was always like, it was just an open communication. And so to this day, we communicate about everything. I mean, my mom knows every single thing about my life, maybe thinks she doesn't want to know, right? But she knows everything. And because she created that dynamic, I think it's like, that's just why our family is so close and we're thriving. And so it's really cool now to see her stepping out into, you know, she says like her main job was like raising me and my brother. And now that we're grown and we're doing these, you know, things by trying to impact people as well, she had this realization of like, oh my gosh, I can help people because me and my husband struggled. I struggled as a mom, right? It's hard, especially she had a, an illness or she was struggling with her health. And so 
now seeing her also stepping out and wanting to impact people and help their relationships and do all of that. I think it's just so cool to just, I mean, I, I admire my parents so much. I mean, I truly feel so blessed and so grateful because I don't know what I would do without them. That's amazing, Jade. Shout out to Catherine Gordon. Yep. You the glue, baby. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. So see friends, even, even folks that are keynote speakers that, that stand on stages and do this for a living. I mean, these guys do this full time. They still have fear and they do it anyway. Yeah. I just spoke to 2000 people the other day and I was so nervous. I'm like, you've done this so many times, but it never, I don't think it will ever get easier. It's just like you said, you just have to have a different relationship, allow that nervousness to fuel you in some type of way. Definitely. I love that. Well, I'm looking forward to to seeing you grow in your keynote speaking um, efforts, my friend. I'm looking forward to the book that you are writing. Tell me, Jade, having grown up in, in a household where you've, you've had this very positive father and um, absolutely positive mother as well, what do you think the biggest takeaway is that you had giving them years of hell where you were like, I don't want to hear this stuff, you guys. Like what was the biggest realization you had? And maybe maybe thanking them for being so consistent in, the, in their efforts because they could have just quit. They could have just stopped, right? Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway that my dad teaches that I think has made such an, an impact on our relationship is Obviously, every parent wants your child to be the best version of themselves. You want them to reach their full potential. Um, but I think, and this is something that I talk about in my keynotes as well, is the balance of love and accountability. Of Obviously, there's a dynamic of a parent and, you know, like I said with my mom, the friend thing. But when my dad was in his kind of learning more about positivity and leadership, he didn't fully, he knew a lot, but he still struggled with it because it's your own child, right? It's different when it's like your own child, but there was times where he would hold me so accountable because he wanted me to be my best, but that accountability was causing me to feel burnt out and felt like he was just, there was so much pressure, right? And so then in that moment, my identity became tied to my performance and the way I played a sport and all those different kinds of things. But when he started to research more about leadership and positivity, he realized that instead of giving me tough love, he had to love me tough. And he always say, I believe he always says, I believe in tough love, but for tough love to work, love must come first. You must love tough to bring out the best in those that you lead. And so when he really learned that and said, I have to make her feel so loved so that when I am holding her accountable, she knows it's for her highest good. She knows it's not because I'm trying to give her a hard time or I'm on her about every little thing. It's only because I'm trying to make her better. And when we had that conversation of, you know, the understanding of, I want to help you be your best. So I'm going to call you out. I'm going to point things out to help you get better but I need to do it in a loving way. And that changed our dynamic completely to where now I know because he loves me so much that that's why he's doing it. Because if you don't feel that love, it can feel 
maybe abrasive and it can feel in a way that it's like, oh my gosh, like leave me alone. Like I, this is just too much for me. And so that's why I tell people all the time, when you lead people, you need to find that balance between love and accountability. And it's also different for each person, right? Maybe somebody needs more accountability than they need love because they already received so much love from you. So it's different for each person. But I think that's also something that I've taken away for just friendships in general, that like, if I love you as a friend, I'm going to hold you to a standard. And if I give you too much love and not hold you accountable, and you're doing things that are not, you probably shouldn't be doing, I'm going to call you out because I love you. And so I think that also ties into relationships. Nowadays, relationships are like the foundation of everything, right? Mm -hmm. our, our relationships are like in our workplace, our friends. And so cultivating those relationships of that love and accountability, I think is just so important, but also just to know that you're loved, to know that people care about you. I mean, so that's like one of the things I think I took away as growing up in the household where there was so much positivity, but also like the love and accountability that I can now implement in friendships and relationships today, I think is a game changer. I love that. And how much do your friends appreciate that about you? I think they, it's so funny though, because I have a lot of friends that are like, they know that I would, I would do anything for them. And so it, it, it also is really hard. I would say if you're doing this to create boundaries, because there's some people that they try and just get the love out of you and then they take advantage of you. So making sure that you're friends with people that are on the same page of like, Hey, we're both going to help each other be great instead of this one-sided friendship. But I think they appreciate it so much. Cause it's like, they know that everything I say or do is not to hurt them or not whatever, I do it in a way that's like, hey, I love you. So what you're doing, I just, it's not for your highest good. And so then they're like, oh my gosh, you're right. Instead of being me being like, why would you do that? You know, it's like, oh my gosh, Jade's calling me out because she holds me to a higher standard. And I appreciate that so much. So that's why I tell people it as well. Cause I'm like, no, 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 this is a game changer for friendships and even relationships, right? With your significant other of, yeah, I might give you so much love, but I also need to hold you accountable so that we're achieving greatness together. Absolutely. I love that. One of my favorite sayings, it's actually been my Facebook heading since I had a Facebook account so many years ago, is with all you do, do with love. And I love that you brought in that, that aspect of accountability. Because if you are truly loved by someone, they do want you to be, be your best self. Yeah. And I always say when you love people and also hold like if you love people you earn the right to challenge them so Ooh. I always say you earn the right to challenge them because they know that you love them so then you then can hold them accountable because they have that understanding wow that's amazing thank you my friend <clears throat> tell me Jade what is your favorite book that your dad has written That's really hard. I mean, it's 27 of them, right? Um, I would say my favorite one, I think is the energy bus. Obviously, that's a lot of people's favorite, but it's my favorite because a lot of people don't realize that the story of the energy bus is based on my dad. And so George was my dad. And so seeing 
or hearing a transformation because I really don't remember my dad as a negative person. Like I hear stories from like old neighbors or my mom where I'm like, really? He acted like that? I, it just doesn't, because all I've known is my dad being this positive, loving, just like, I mean, I, I love him more than anything. And so it's like, I just don't see that. So when I read the energy bus and see this guy go through this transformation, it's just so cool. Cause I'm like, oh my gosh, that's my dad. It's not just a book that he wrote. That's literally his life. And so that's why I would say, I love all the other messages in his book, obviously, but I think that one, because of the concept and the real story behind it. I love that. So I have not read all of your dad's books. I've read a handful of them. And I will say the energy bus is by far my favorite. I've had some friends that have read that book as well. And I know that they are just going to be elated to see you on this podcast talking about it. But for anyone that hasn't read any of John Gordon's books, um, if you are looking for a new read or just something positive and uplifting and inspiring, highly recommend The Energy Bus by John Gordon. Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, one of the biggest messages that I took away from my... Uh, my time with you guys at the Power of Positive Leadership certification last March was no one creates success alone. Yeah. We always you know, say it's a, one person can make a team, but one person or one person can't make a team, but one person can break a team. So it's always like creating that success. Don't be the negative person. Help bring out the best in others and you yourself will grow by helping others grow, right? You're creating that success as a team. It's the service and sacrifice, we before me. It's helping the people around you to be a better team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Love that. That was my one of my biggest takeaways from that seminar. And again, had you guys not been out there sharing that message, that would have not resonated with me because I wouldn't have been there. And um, for anyone that's in leadership, wants to be in leadership, I always say you don't need a title to lead. You lead yourself every single day and you impact everyone around you. So you can be a leader. You don't need a title to be a leader. Um, and I want people to know that you don't create success by yourself. Everyone needs someone, you know? So just, I love that message. So thank you, Jade. Yeah. And it's really cool because that, like I, I think about my dad's company, right? He has all these people that are sharing his message that, you know, are doing their own thing, right? To spread this message. But if I need something, then Julie will be like, hey, reach out to me or, hey, I can send you this. And I'm like, yeah, but you spend all the time to do the work to put that together. And she's like, I don't care. She's like, this is for other people. Like, yes, I created this and I put the time and effort and everything into it, but this is for you to be able to share with other people as well. And so it's really cool to see like, yes, everybody's doing their own thing. And I have that, that like, oh, I don't want to bother them, but they're like, no, bother me. Like this is, we all want to be great together. We all want to use the same resources to help impact more people. So the John Gordon team really does embody that because it's not one person doing their own thing. It's how can we all be great together? And so it's just, I mean, it's just so cool. He has such an amazing group of people that, that are all doing this. I love it. I love it. I love Julie. She is oh, a, our house lady as well. And she just wrote a book. Mirror, Was it mirror. her first book? I think so. Mirror, mirror. Yep. Uh, I just got it delivered. I haven't started reading it yet, but shout out to Julie. I'm proud of you, my friend. 
Love you. Just phenomenal. Um, anyways, so like we said earlier, you had just climbed out of a hyperbaric chamber today and, you know, pardon my naivety, but I actually don't know what that is or why someone would do that. So if you are open to it, I'd love for you to share that story because I know that you were not doing that out of fun for fun. So I have been, so I've always been like very into health, very conscious. Everything I have is non-toxic, organic. Um, but for the last five years, I don't know that I would call it a chronic illness or sickness. I've seen so many different doctors, had so many different labs done. And every doctor tells me there's something different wrong with me. And um, like my hair falls out. I have like GI issues, chronic fatigue where I get so tired and I don't feel like leaving my house. Um, and so I've just struggled with this for so long that I, I mean, there's been so many different things that they think it is, but haven't found a definite answer. And so I've uh, been talking to some of my friends that have chronic illnesses, Lyme disease, all these different kinds of things. And they said, you know, the hyperbaric chamber, basically you sit in it and they pressurize it and your ears are popping. You have to pop your ears for the first, like while they're pressurizing it. And then for an hour you sit in this it looks kind of like a the inside of like a submarine. You have like portholes and you sit inside and they you put this oxygen mask on. And basically the whole premise of it is it literally pushes oxygen into your body, into your cells to help with inflammation, to help with um, some people have um, issues where they have uh, like candida or an overgrowth of bacteria. And so it can help break biofilms in our body to allow us to start healing things. So it's, it does all these different things. It actually, you can do it cosmetically. I guess it helps with collagen production. There's all these multitude of things that it does, but mainly people use it for inflammation and for health reasons. So I did my first session today, I had to get a, a prescription from a doctor to be able to do it. Um, and I'm also going to start doing things like, uh, ozone therapy, which is basically where they put an IV in and they draw your blood and then they take your blood and they mix it with ozone. And they can also do like ultraviolet lights and all these different lights. And then they inject it back into you. And it's supposed to basically cleanse your body and help to fight any illness or anything going on. And so because I don't have a definite answer of what's wrong, I'm trying all these different modes of treatment or things to see if they work. Um, I had a call today with a doctor and they were like, yeah, it's going to be a 650 consultation fee. So it's so hard to find out what's wrong with you because you're spending all this money. Um, but I figured why not start with the hyperbaric chamber and see if it helps. Right. But it's also one of those things where you have to do it consistently. I think you have to do it like the first like two weeks, you have to do it like eight different sessions. And I mean, it's just, it's crazy and it gets expensive. But at this point, if you don't have your health, you have nothing, right? And so I'm like, if I'm going out and impacting people and trying to fuel them, I have to figure out ways to fuel myself in a, yes, I'm doing it emotionally and mentally with these practices, but I also have to do it physically as well. So that's kind of the journey that I'm on right now. Wow. That sounds intense, my friend. Yeah. Tell me something I've always been curious about, not necessarily about you, but just people, everybody goes through stuff, right? I, I truly believe that no matter who you are on this planet, you have stuff and it's not always fun stuff. 
<clears throat> some of us manage to stay a little bit more positive through our stuff than others. What is it for you, Jade, that helps you stay positive through the negative stuff? Because just that story alone, my friend, if somebody else was in that position, you know, they, I would not blame them for being negative or for complaining about, oh, I've been sick for five years and nobody can figure out what's wrong with me. What do you think it is that differentiates someone from being in that negative space and like perpetuating the negativity versus, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm going to keep trying things to figure it out. I'm going to stay positive. What, what is that? I've always been curious to know what it is. And I've, I don't know if there is an answer. Just curious to know what you would think. For me, I would say, I want to first make sure people understand that it's not that I'm like, oh, like I'll figure out, I'll try anything. Like there's days where I cry and I cry and I cry and I'm miserable most of the time. Like I truly, there's very rarely that I'm like, I have energy to do things, right? And so in those moments, I allow myself to feel the emotion but then I say, well, this is this being in this state is not going to help you to get better, right? So let's find ways to heal yourself, even though you've seen 10 different doctors in the last five years and spent so much money and bought all these supplements. For me, I try and stay positive just in general, because I know the negative mindset won't help. But ultimately, it's my faith in the Lord, because I believe that God ultimately will heal me. And I truly believe that I'm going through this for a reason. What that reason is, I have no idea. Maybe it's to help other people in the future. Maybe it's that I really need to rely on God to get me out of this, to propel me to whatever it is. I don't know, but I think that's my anchor of, I, I will get through this, whether it's in 10 years, hopefully the next year, but if it's in 10 years, that everything happens for a reason. And I'm going to look back and just be like, you know what? I That happened for whatever purpose, but now I can use that to maybe help people. Maybe that just helps build my resilience, right? Of saying I went through something so difficult, so frustrating, something that it's like, come on, really? Like, why? There's all these people who they can do whatever they want and I can't eat an apple without hunched, being hunched over in pain, right? And so it's like, why? But saying, I'm just gonna choose to believe that it's gonna work out for me, that something good is gonna come from this pain. Just having that mindset. Mm. But it's hard. Oh, it's very, very hard. But mm -hmm. again, that's why we're positive. We're not positive because life is easy. We're positive because life is so hard. Right. I love that message too. Life is not easy for anyone. We all have different levels of stuff that, that comes up seriously. And that's, that's why I love that you're on this podcast is to help perpetuate the message of, hey, everyone goes through stuff, hard stuff. So you aren't alone. And I know you can get through it. And just, you know, helping people, giving them some tools mm -hmm. to, to better structure the navigation through whatever it is that they're going through. So, so thank you for that, my friend. Um, tell me, Jade, if anyone wants to connect with you, follow you, where can they find you? Yeah, you can follow me on Instagram, jadegordon11. Shoot me an email, jade at johngordon.com. Um, just reach out if, if anybody needs 
encouragement, motivation, advice, whatever it is, I'd always be happy to help. You're the best. Appreciate you so much, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. This is great. Take it easy. If we could see into each other's hearts and understand the unique challenges each of us face, I know we would treat one another much more gently, with more love, patience, tolerance, and care. In order to love who we are, we cannot hate the things that have shaped us. The best project you will ever work on is you. If we leave our growth to randomness, we will always live in the land of mediocrity. Here we embrace kindness, mindfulness, joy, empathy, vulnerability, adventure, and most importantly, the humanness that we each share. This is Chantal Russo, and you are listening to The Resilience Diaries.